After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz in Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the Fifth, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Israhil Aziz stated, I shall continue the accounts from the previous sermon about Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu. An account during the Battle of Badr was narrated in the previous sermon, wherein Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu's expression of loyalty and devotion was mentioned. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu has also narrated this account in his own words as well. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, Naturally, when one possesses love for another, they do not desire for any harm to reach their beloved, and nor would anyone wish for them to go to battle. In fact, they would make every possible attempt to save their beloved from entering battle. Likewise, the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not desire for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to go to battle. The companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, were not displeased as to why they themselves had to go for battle. Rather, they were concerned with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, going for battle. And this was a natural desire of theirs, which every devotee has for their beloved. Apart from this, we find much evidence from history that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah the Almighty be upon him, reached near Badr, he stated to the companions that I have been informed by Allah the Almighty that we shall not be faced with the caravan, but instead with an army. (laughs) 
The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then sought their counsel and asked, What is your suggestion? Upon hearing this, one after another, the esteemed companions stood up and delivered extremely passionate speeches of zeal and devotion, stating that they were ready to serve in any way possible. One would stand and say his words and then sit down, and then the next would stand and present his suggestion and then sit back down. Thus, all who stood up said that if Allah the Almighty had instructed them to fight, then they should most certainly do so. But nevertheless, each time one of them had sat down after giving his counsel, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah the Almighty be upon him, would ask for more counsel. And the reason for this was that all the companions who had stood up to give their counsel up until then were all muhajireen, i.e. those who had migrated from Mecca to Medina. And after repeatedly asking for counsel, Hazrat Saad bin Muadh the chief of the Aus tribe understood the purpose of this. And so, representing the Ansar, he stood up and stated, O Messenger of Allah, you are having all the counsel you want, but you continue to ask for more. So perhaps you wish to seek the counsel of the Ansar. He further stated that up till now the reason why we have remained silent is that if we support going to battle, then our Muhajireen brothers may assume that we only wish to fight and kill their people and their brothers. Hazrat Saad bin Muadh then further stated, that, O Messenger of Allah, perhaps you ponder over the pledge we made with you at Akbar, in which we presented the condition that if the opponents attack us in Medina, then we shall grant protection. But we would not be responsible if we were to fight outside of Medina. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied that yes. Upon this, Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu then submitted that O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam before you arrived in Medina we were not fully aware of the lofty rank and station you hold but now we have witnessed your true status with our own eyes. So therefore this pact no longer has any bearing in our minds. In other words the pledge that took place at Akbar which in worldly terms was an ordinary agreement but after that we have now witnessed, and after our spiritual eyes have been opened, this pledge no longer holds any weight. Hazrat Saad bin Muadh then further stated, Therefore we are with you wherever you go, and by God, if you instruct us to dive in the sea, not a single one of us will remain behind. O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we will fight in front of you and behind you, to your right and to your left, and the enemy shall not reach you without first stepping over our dead bodies.
Then whilst commenting on verse 12 of Surah Rad, which is as follows, That is, for him, i.e. the messenger, is a succession of angels before him and behind him. Whilst elaborating upon this verse, Hazrat Muslim Aud states, the entire period of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's prophethood, is evidence of this protection that Allah the Almighty had promised. That is, that we have appointed guardians before him and behind him. Hazrat Muslim Aud further states, that it was the angels who were protecting the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in Mecca. For how else could he have remained safe when he was surrounded by so many enemies? Then, of course, he was granted both kinds of protection once the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had migrated to Medina from heavenly angels and from angels of the earth. In other words, the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The Battle of Badr is a wonderful example of this physical and spiritual protection. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, reached Medina, he made a pact with the people of Medina that if he went and fought outside of Medina, it would not be incumbent upon them to support him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, sought counsel from the Ansar and the Muhajireen with regards to fighting in the Battle of Badr. The Muhajireen would insist again and again to fight. But after hearing their suggestions, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would still ask, O people, give me counsel. Upon hearing this, an Ansari has Asad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu submitted, that is Hazur referring to us, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, yes. As Asad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu then said, that it is true that we took an oath with you that if we were to fight outside of Medina, we would not be compelled to aid you. But that was a different time. But now that we have witnessed that you are the rightful Prophet of Allah, what need is there for this counsel? Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu then further stated, that if you instruct us to do so, we shall dive into the sea with our horses. For we are not like the companions of Moses, who said, Go you and your Lord to fight. We are sat here. Rather, we shall fight to the right of you, to the left of you, in front of you and behind you. And the enemy shall not reach you without stepping over our corpses. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu further states that in my opinion these devout people were among the Muqtibad i.e. the guardians whom Allah the Almighty had appointed to protect the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. One of the companions states that I accompanied the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in 13 battles. But instead of fighting in these battles, now my heart's desire was if only I had been the one who uttered the words which were said by his Asad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that is, his words of loyalty and devotion. (coughs) 
Then, whilst mentioning the devotion and sincerity of Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiyallahu ta'ala anhu during the Battle of Badr, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib radiyallahu ta'ala anhu writes in Seerat Khatim al-Nabiyyin that the place where the Muslim army encamped was not ideal strategically. At this, Hubab bin Mundir radiyallahu ta'ala anhu inquired of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as to whether he had selected this place according to divine revelation or merely as a strategy of war. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that no divine commandment has been received in this regard. And so if you wish to make a proposal, then please do so. Hubab submitted that in my opinion this place is not ideal and it would be better to advance and take possession of the spring located closest to the Quraysh. He stated that I am aware of this spring and its water is quite pleasant and generally plentiful as well. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, approved of this proposal and until then, since the Quraysh was still encamped on the opposite side of the hillock and the spring was unoccupied, the Muslims advanced and took possession of the spring. However, as mentioned in the Holy Quran, even at that time, the water of the spring was not as plentiful as usual and the Muslims were faced with a shortage of water. In addition to this, the side of the valley where the Muslims were positioned was not ideal either because it was very sandy which made it difficult to maintain firm footing. And so, after a place to set up camp had been selected, upon the proposal of Hazrat Saad bin Muad the chief of the Aws, a sort of tent was prepared for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to one side of the field. Hazrat Saad bin Muad then tied the mount of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, close to the tent and then submitted, O Messenger of Allah, take a seat in this tent and we shall fight the enemy in the name of Allah. If Allah grants us victory, then this is our very desire and all praise be to Allah. But if, God forbid, the matter takes a turn for the worse, then take your mount and reach Medina in any way possible. And so he tied a good mount next to the tent. Then Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiyallahu ta'ala anhu further stated that there you shall find our brethren and kindred, i.e. in Medina, who are no less than us in love and sincerity. However, since they were unaware that they would be confronted by war in this campaign, they have not come along. Otherwise, they would never have remained behind. And when they become aware of the state of affairs, they shall not desist in laying down their lives to protect you. Thus, this was the passionate sincerity of Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, which is worthy of praise in any case. But can it be fathomed that the Messenger of Allah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would ever flee from the field of battle? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was always at the forefront in battles. As such, in the field of Hunan, an army of 12,000 turned their backs, but the center of divine unity did not shake an inch. In any case, 
The tent was prepared, and Hazrat Saad bin Muad along with a few other Ansar companions, surrounded it and stood guard. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, retired to this tent along with Hazrat Abu Bakr All night long, weeping with utmost fervency, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, supplicated before Allah the Almighty. And it is written that in the entire army, it was only the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, who remained awake all night, and the rest were able to take some rest in turns. On the night of Friday, during the time of the Battle of Ahud, Hazrat Saad bin Muad, Hazrat Usaid bin Hudayr, and Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah took up arms and stood guard on the door of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in Masjid Nabwi, by the Prophet's mosque. And during the Battle of Ahud, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, ascended his mount with his bow on his shoulders and spear in his hand, the two Saads, i.e. Hazrat Saad bin Muad and Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah were racing ahead of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and both were clad in armor. Whilst mentioning the Battle of Ahud, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib writes that observing the Asr prayer, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, set out from Medina with a large group of the companions. The chieftains of the Yaws and Khazij tribe, Hazrat Saad bin Muad and Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah proceeded along, running slowly just ahead of the mount of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returned from the Battle of Ahad, he dismounted and entered his home with the assistance of Hazrat Saad bin Muad and Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah. <coughs> Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu has mentioned an incident which shows the deep love Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu's mother had for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu writes that on the return from the Battle of Ahud, the reins of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's mount, were held by Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was walking with great pride. His brother had been martyred in the battle, and upon reaching Medina, Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala saw his mother approaching and submitted, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, my mother is approaching. Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala mother was almost 80 or 82 years old, and her eyesight was so weak that she could just about distinguish between light and dark. During this time, rumors had spread that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had been martyred. Thus, upon hearing this news, with great difficulty, this aged woman also came outside of Medina. Hazrat Saad bin Muad informed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that his mother was approaching. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that stop my mount close to where your mother is standing.
When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, approached the elderly woman, she did not inquire about her sons, but she only inquired about the whereabouts of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Saad bin Muad informed her that he was standing in front of her. The elderly woman looked up with a weakened sight until her gaze became fixated upon the countenance of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then stated, Dear lady, I grieve over the loss of your young son, who was martyred during the battle. If one hears this sort of news in their advanced years, it can be overbearing on their health. However, this elderly woman replied in a most loving manner by saying, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa what is it that you say? I was only worried for your well-being alone. After narrating this incident, Hazrat Muslim Aud addressed Ahmadi women and advising them on their responsibility of performing tabligh, i.e. propagating the message of Islam, he stated that these were the women who worked alongside the men in propagating the message of Islam and it is the sacrifices of these very women which are a source of pride for the Islamic world. Hazrat Muslim Aud then further stated that all of you, by those who have accepted the promised Messiah, also claim to have accepted the promised Messiah, who is a spiritual manifestation of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so, this in essence means that you are the spiritual manifestation of the female companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Thus, tell me truthfully, that is the same level of passion for faith within you as was within the female companions, is the same spiritual light within you that was found in the female companions? Are your children as pious as those of the female companions? If you ponder deeply, you will learn that you are all far behind the female companions. The sacrifices offered by the female companions is not witnessed on the face of the earth even today. They offered sacrifices without showing any concern for their own lives. And Allah the Almighty was so pleased with their sacrifices that He swiftly granted them success. To the extent that the feats other nations failed to achieve in centuries were made possible for them in only a few years. In this sermon, since Hazrat Muslim Aud was speaking before Ahmadi women, for this reason they were primarily being addressed. Otherwise, the Khulafa have mentioned on countless occasions, as have I, that the men also have to follow the same noble examples. It is only then that we can fulfill our claim that we will propagate Islam throughout the world and bring people under the banner of Islam. However, this can only be achieved when our actions and our sacrifices emulate the example set for us by the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Muslim Aud further states that the Christians pride themselves on the fact 
that Mary Magdalene and the women with her reached the tomb of Jesus whilst evading the enemy. However, I implore them to ponder over the conduct shown by the devoted and sincere followers of my beloved, i.e. the Holy Prophet and see for themselves in which precarious circumstances they stood by him and under which conditions they waved the flag of the unity of God aloft. An example of this devotion can be found when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, returned to Medina, having buried the martyrs of Ahud. Hazrat Muslim Aud then presented the same incident of Hazrat Saad bin Muad Anhu's mother on this occasion again. He writes, After their dead had been buried, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was returning to Medina, he saw that the women and children had come out of Medina to receive him. The reins of his mount was held by Hazrat Saad bin Muad the chief of Medina. And Hazrat Saad was leading the mount with great pride. He seemed to proclaim to the world that they had after all succeeded in leading the Prophet back to Medina safely. And as Saad was advancing, he saw his own aged mother advancing to meet the returning party of Muslims. This elderly woman's sight had become very weak, and one of her sons, Amr bin Muad was also martyred in Nuhud. Noticing her, he turned to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and submitted, O Messenger of Allah my mother, i.e. my mother, is approaching. Let her come forward with blessings of Allah the Almighty, replied the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The woman came forward and with a vacant look tried to spot the blessed countenance of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And at last she was able to spot it and became overjoyed. Upon seeing her, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, My dear lady, I grieve over the loss of your son. But, replied the devoted woman, after I have seen you alive, I have swallowed all my misfortunes as it were. The expression used was that I have roasted my misfortune and swallowed it. Hazrat Muslim who states that what depth of emotion does this extraordinary expression indicate? Normally, grief consumes a person, and here was an aged woman who had lost her son, her support for her old age. But upon seeing the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, alive, she said that instead of letting her grief consume her, she had consumed her grief. The thought that my son has been killed is not a means to bring me down. Instead, to learn that he has laid down his life for the sake of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has given me strength once again. Whilst praising the Ansar and praying for them, Hazrat Muslim Maud stated that, O Ansar, may my life be sacrificed for you. Indeed, you reaped countless blessings. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, issued the death penalty for Qab bin Ashraf for the reasons including his ploys and schemes, malice and enmity as well as this conspiracy to assassinate the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And in his capacity as the leader of the Ansar, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed that the advice of Hazrat Saad bin Muad was also to be sought on how the verdict was to be enacted.
I have narrated the details of the killing of Qab bin Ashraf previously in relation to two companions. However, I will narrate some of the narrations again, which are in relation to Hazasad bin Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And I have taken the incident from different sources and partly from Sirat Khatam al It is stated that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, migrated to Medina, along with other Jews, Qab bin Nashraf also participated in the treaty which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, drafted between the Jews with regards to mutual friendship, peace and security and collective defence. However, deep within, the fire of malice and enmity began to burn in the heart of Qab, and he began to oppose Islam and the founder of Islam وسلم, through secret schemes and conspiracies. As such, it is recorded that every year, Qab would give a large sum of charity to Jewish scholars and religious leaders. On one occasion, he began to mention the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and inquired of them as to their opinion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in light of religious scriptures, whether he was, i.e. the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was a truthful prophet or not. The religious scholars responded that apparently it seemed as if he was the very same prophet who had been promised to them. But Qab was a severe enemy of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and Islam. And so he was greatly displeased at this response and sent them away referring to them as immensely dull and did not give them their usual charity. And so when the Jewish scholars lost their bread and butter and after some time they came back to Qab and said that they had reassessed the signs and arrived at the conclusion that in actuality Muhammad was not the prophet who had been promised to them. Even the clerics of today are attracted by the lure of wealth, and this was the same case with them as well. And so, this response by the Jewish scholars pleased Qab, and he once again reinstated their yearly stipend. However, to have the support of the Jewish religious scholars was not a significant matter. In fact, the more dangerous scheme was that after the Battle of Badr, Qab bin Ashraf began to employ such a conduct as was extremely mischievous and seditious and created a very dangerous circumstances for the Muslims. On the occasion of the Battle of Badr, when the Muslims were granted an extraordinary victory and most of the chieftains of the Quraysh were slain, Qab bin Ashraf understood that this new religion would not die out by itself. Initially, he thought that Islam would finish itself and not spread. Hence, after the Battle of Badr, Qab bin Ashra resolved to exert his best efforts to abolish and utterly destroy Islam. But as was mentioned earlier, that after the Battle of Badr, he became even more enraged and owing to this anger, he resolved to destroy Islam completely.
Thus, owing to his deep anger over the loss at Badr, he was extremely enraged and so when he decided that he wanted to completely destroy and annihilate Islam, he immediately prepared for journey and took to Makkah. And upon reaching Makkah, by the power of his persuasive speech and poetic tongue, he inflamed the fire that was kindling in the hearts of the Quraysh. He created an unquenchable thirst in their hearts for Muslim blood and filled their hearts with sentiments of revenge and enmity. He incited them by saying to them that they had succumbed to defeat and their leaders had been slain whilst they remained sat there. Therefore, they ought to go and seek revenge. Following his passionate speech and poetic language, their hearts filled with rage and vengeance. Then, when their emotions had become immensely sparked as a result of his incitement, Garb took them to the courtyard of the Kaaba and handing them the drapes of the Kaaba, had them swear that they would not rest until Islam and the founder of Islam had been wiped out from the face of the earth. And so, after creating this fiery atmosphere in Mecca, this evil person turned to the other tribes of Arabia and travelling from tribe to tribe, he incited people against the Muslims. And then, upon returning to Medina, he intensified his efforts against Islam. He alluded to the Muslim women in a very filthy and obscene manner in his provocative couplets which he recited before the non-Muslims and the Jews in particular. Furthermore, Kaab bin Ashraf did not only kindle this fire of enmity, but eventually he hatched a conspiracy to assassinate the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Under the ploy of a feast, he invited the Holy Prophet to his residence, and with a few Jewish young men, he schemed to have the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, assassinated. However, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, information was received in advance and this plan of his was unsuccessful. Therefore, in light of the treaty which had been settled between the inhabitants of Medina upon his arrival, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was the chief executive and commander-in-chief of the democratic state of Medina. And so, when the state of affairs escalated to such an extent, and charges of infraction of treaty, rebellion, inciting war, sedition, use of foul language and conspiracy to assassinate the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had been established. He issued the verdict that Kaab bin Ashraf was liable to be put to death due to his actions. And so, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, instructed some of his companions to execute him. 
However, owing to the circumstances of the time, the Holy Prophet instructed that Qab should not be executed publicly. Rather, a few people should quietly find an opportunity and put an end to him. And the Holy Prophet assigned this duty to a faithful companion named Muhammad bin Masalma and emphasized that whatever strategy was devised, it should be executed with the counsel of Hazrat Saad bin Muad who was the chief of the Aus tribe. And so, with the counsel of Hazrat Saad bin Muad Muhammad bin Masalma took Abu Naila and a few other companions in order to kill Kaab bin Ashraf. I have already mentioned, with reference to other companions, about the details of how Kaab bin Ashraf was killed and the wisdom they employed in order to execute him. But in any case, according to the plan they had devised, they managed to get him out of his home at night and it was then that they killed him. The next morning, when the news of the execution of Kaab bin Ashraf became known, a tremor rippled through the city, and the Jewish people were deeply enraged. The following day, in the morning, a delegation of the Jews presented themselves before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and complained that their leader, Kaab bin Ashraf, had been murdered in such and such way. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, listened to their comments, and then said, Are you also aware of the crimes which Gab is guilty of, for which he was punished for? Then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, briefly reminded them of all the evil schemes which Gab was guilty of, i.e. infraction of treaty, inciting war, sedition, use of foul language and conspiracy of assassination, etc. Upon this, the people became fearful and did not say a word, because they all knew that he indeed was guilty of all those crimes. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated that at least from here onwards you would do well to live in peace and harmony and do not sow the seed of enmity, violence and disorder. As such, with the agreement of the Jews, a new treaty was drafted and the Jews promised to once again live with the Muslims in peace and harmony and to abstain from a course of violence and disorder. Furthermore, nowhere in history is it recorded that after this the Jews ever mentioned the execution of Qab bin Ashraf or accused the Muslims because in their hearts they knew that Qab received the rightful punishment due to him. Thus, this was the punishment that was handed out to him and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not deny the fact that he was aware of this. In fact, he reminded them of the crimes Gab was guilty of and this was his decision as the head of the state. Moreover, the council of two other Muslim chieftains of Medina was also included in this decision, one of them being Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu. It is stated that the Banu Nazir once planned a scheme to deceive the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and then kill him by throwing a large stone upon him. However, 
Allah the Almighty informed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, of this news through divine revelation. At the time, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, along with some of his companions, went to meet the Banu Nazir and therefore immediately returned upon learning of this act of theirs. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed for the Banu Nazir to be besieged and left with no other choice and out of self-defense, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had to step in the field of battle in four Hijri Rabiul Abul. As a result, the Banu Nazir were expelled from Medina. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, received the spoils belonging to the Banu Nazir, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed Hazrat Sabit bin Qais to gather all of his people. Hazrat Sabit bin Qais inquired, O Messenger of Allah, shall I bring all the people belonging to the Khazraj tribe? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, that call all of the Insar, whichever tribe they belong to. And so the people of Aws and Khazraj were called to gather before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. In his address, the Holy Prophet first praised Allah the Almighty, which he is most worthy of, and then recounted the favours of the Ansar, which they had conferred upon their Muhajireen brothers, whereby they allowed them to stay in their houses and gave the Muhajireen precedence over themselves. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then stated, that if you wish, I will distribute the wealth received from the Banu Nazir amongst the Mahajireen and the Ansar. However, the Mahajireen will then continue to live in your homes and partake of your wealth. In other words, they could equally split the wealth between the Ansar and the Mahajireen. But in that case, the Mahajireen will continue to live in the homes of the Ansar and the Ansar will continue to treat them in the same manner as before. However, the other option is, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that if you wish, I will distribute all the wealth amongst the Muhajireen and give nothing to the Ansar. But then the Muhajireen will leave your houses and make their own arrangements as they would have acquired their own wealth. Upon this, Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah and Hazrat Saad bin Muad consulted with one another. And thereafter they submitted to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him that, O Messenger of Allah وسلم, you may distribute the entire wealth amongst the Muhajireen. But despite this, the Muhajireen can still continue to live in our houses as they were living before. He stated, we do not wish that after acquiring their wealth, they leave our homes. And the rights that were established for them as a result of the bond of brotherhood between us shall continue to remain and they shall continue to live in our houses. The rest of the Ansar also submitted to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that they were completely in agreement with this and that they would not express any complaint whatsoever if the entire wealth was distributed amongst the Muhajireen. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that, O Allah, grant your mercy to the Ansar and their sons. Hence, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, distributed the wealth amongst the Mahajirin. Apart from two companions from among the Ansar, nothing was given to the Ansar. The two companions were Hazrat Sahal bin Hunayr and Hazrat Abu Dujan, who were both in need of it. However, Hazrat Saad bin Muad was granted the sword of Abu Huqayq, who was a Jew, and this sword was quite reputable amongst the Jews.
Then, when the incident of the great calumny took place, wherein an allegation was leveled against Hazrat Aisha anha, and consequently the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Aisha anha, and their family members had to endure a period of great pain and difficulty. And after some time, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, mentioned to his companions about the wrongful actions of the hypocrites. At the time again, it was Hazrat Saad bin Muad who expressed his deep devotion for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Muslim has mentioned this incident in great detail, which I have already narrated whilst mentioning the accounts of the companion Hazrat Mr. However, I shall narrate only that part of the account which is in relation to Hazrat Saad bin Muad. As I have mentioned, that one day during this period, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came out of his residence and gathered his companions and stated that who can grant me respite from the individual who has given me great pain and grief. By this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, meant Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul. Hazrat Saad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala who was the chief of the Aus tribe, stood up and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, if this person is from our tribe, then we are ready to kill him. And if he is from amongst the Khazraj tribe, even still we are prepared to kill him. <coughs> During the occasion of the Battle of the Ditch, Abu Sufyan sent Huyi, the chief of the Banu Nazir, to Kaab bin Aswad, who was the chief of the Banu Qurayza, in order to convince him to end the treaty they had made with the Muslims. However, when he refused to do so, Hui pointed a picture of lush green gardens to him and gave him such confidence in the imminent destruction of Islam that ultimately he agreed to no longer commit to the treaty that he had made with the Muslims. And not just that, but he also convinced him to also help the disbelievers of Makkah. Whilst relating this incident, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmad Sahib Radiyallahu states in Sirat Khatam al that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, received news of this dangerous treachery of the Banu Qurayza, initially the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, dispatched Zubair bin Alawam to obtain intelligence in secret two or three times. Then after this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, formally sent Saad bin Muad and Saad bin Ubada, who were the chieftains of the Aus and Khazraj tribes, along with a few other influential companions, in the form of a delegation towards the Banu Qurayza. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, strictly instructed that if there was troubling news, it should not be publicly disclosed when they returned. Rather, secrecy should be maintained so that people were not made apprehensive. And so when these people reached the dwellings of Banu Qurayza and approached Kaab bin Aswad, this evil man confronted them in a very arrogant manner. And when the two Saads, i.e. Saad bin Muad and Saad bin Ubadah, spoke of the treaty, Kaab and the people of his tribe turned wicked and said, Be gone, there is no treaty between Muhammad and us. And so, upon hearing these words, this delegation of the companions set off, as the Saad bin Muad radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah then presented themselves before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and informed him of the state of affairs in an appropriate manner.
Initially, at the time, this act of theirs came as a shock to the Muslims because the disbelievers of Makkah had surrounded the entire city of Medina from all sides. And also, owing to the circumstances of the battle, the Muslims could neither carry out any action against this tribe. However, when the battle concluded and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, returned to Medina, he was informed through a vision about the treachery of the Banu Quraiza and the punishment they deserved for their act of rebellion. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was commanded that they ought to be punished and so the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, announced that they all ought to proceed to the fortresses of the Banu Quraiza and that they should offer their Asr prayer upon reaching there. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then sent a delegation in advance under the command of Hazrat Ali anhu. There is quite an extensive detail in relation to this battle and Hazrat bin Muad also played a role in issuing a decision at the end. However, there is not much time now and I will therefore inshallah mention this in the future sermon. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillahinahmadu من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله ونشهد أن محمدا نبض رسوله إباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل واللسان ويتايد القرب وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي وَدُوهُ يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ وَلَذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ